0: Hey, my name's Kyle, and I have a small confession to make. I can't even begin to do this topic justice. I am a white cisgender man, and my experience is shaped both by the immense privilege that that affords me, and by the work of black and POC activists, many of them genderqueer, who are working today, yesterday, and always to make the world a better place for queer people. So, if you're questioning and you want to know more than I can provide here, I'd love to share three fantastic pieces of queer art with you. Black on Both Sides by C. Riley Snorton, Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde, and Gone Home from Fulbright Studios. My guest for this episode also recommends Trans in College by Z. Nicolazzo, Trans Bodies, Trans Selves, edited by Laura Erickson Schroth, and Queer Questions, Clear Answers by Thomas Sirwatka. And if you need support beyond what I can provide here as well, there are three resources you can go to right now. The Trevor Project at thetrevorproject.org, the online headquarters of the Lionel Cantu Queer Center at UCSC at queer.ucsc.edu, and byresource.org, which I've personally had bookmarked for a while. I'll go more in-depth into resources at UCSC a bit later in the episode. All right, that's all I got to say. Enjoy. Part one, the question. How do you know if you're queer? There are tons of internet quizzes professing an ability to answer that question, but the reality is far messier. There are countless ways someone could start to change their relationship to queerness. Maybe you're a cis dude who's been 100% into women your whole life, but recently you realize just how open you are to dating another man, and you're doubting everything. Maybe you're AFAB, or assigned female, at birth, and you're sure that you want to look more traditionally masculine. You're just not sure whether you need a term to go along with it. Maybe you're an older transgender man who just made friends with a non-binary person, and hearing them talk about their experience is making you ask yourself whether anything you've ever felt has been binary. In all three of these scenarios, I'm describing questioning. Wikipedia defines it as, a process of exploration by people who may be unsure, still exploring, or concerned about applying a social label to themselves for various reasons. Questioning, then, applies to anyone who's ever questioned their sexuality or gender expression. It's an amorphous concept, but its intent couldn't be clearer. To recognize a state that exists both within and outside the LGBTQ plus community, to legitimize movement between established buckets, and to define the undefinable.
1: Hi, uh, thanks for having me, and thanks for listening if you're tuning in. My name is Travis S. Becker. I use they and he pronouns, and I am the proud uh, director at the Leonel Cantu Queer Resource Center at UC Santa Cruz.
0: Travis was kind enough to sit down with me and share their questioning experience. I might pop in here and there, but by and large, I'm going to let them tell their story. Um, so I'd love for you to, to take me back to when you were starting to question, um, what Kind of led you to realize that you're not a part of that heteronormative uh, kind of societal norm. What was there like a spurning event, or was it a process?
1: Thanks. I really appreciate this question. And one thing in particular that I very, very distinctly remember was a um, a hand-me-down rainbow bright costume, like costume dress, but it was probably it was intended to be like a rainbow bright Halloween costume, but it was like a hand-me-down. From one of my mom's friends at our Lutheran church, and I remember um, distinctly like my parents having like discussions about this, and I don't remember the content of of those discussions. I don't really remember what was being said. I had affirmative energy. If
0: that's if that makes any sense. Within their own family, Travis describes a positive, supportive environment, but one that just didn't talk about queerness.
1: I never felt alienated from my parents or from my family. I always felt really surrounded by like a lot of love. Like I said, I did feel very much alienated socially at school, which was really hard for me because I am a chatty Kathy. I want to tell you stories. I want to hear your stories as is maybe evident here <laughs> on this slug cast. The journey that I went on during those years was really sad because I think it was kind of a journey of really being really, um, A keen observer of what was going to keep me safe in terms of not questioning out loud not allowing the questions to rise to a level of consciousness that they were coming out either in my clothing or in my mannerisms etc but through those years i kind of went through this period where i i I feel like i observed a lot and then i i tried then to turn around and perform that and really kind of in ways that i think looking back now really like kind of fucked up like horizontal kind of violent kind of ways. So by high school, I learned how to bully other queer kids um, to get acceptance from other straight people. So like, especially if they were more effeminate than me, if I could put distance between myself and, and them, um, that was definitely a tactic that I will always probably regret.
0: When Travis went off to college at California Lutheran University, the need to perform followed them there.
1: There was a very particular type of Lutheran that you were supposed to be at Cal Lutheran. I was not that, I don't even think I was questioning consciously at that point. It was something that I wasn't even being conscious about with myself. I kind of tucked away my questions and then they just kind of got louder and louder by the end of college. and I couldn't really warrant anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was like, I give you a lot of stuff there. So do with all that what you want. <laughs> you can ask me another question and we can kind of go in a different direction. But I feel like that was a lot.
0: Part two, the process. We'll continue with Travis's story in a second here. But first, I want to ask you something. Ever heard of imposter syndrome? Okay, chances are you have. But uh, just in case, I'm going to explain it here. Imposter syndrome is used to describe people with this irrational fear that they have no idea what they're doing, that everything about them is a hoax, and that it's only a matter of time before they're exposed for the fraud they are. It's a common trait of societies that hold up certain stories of success and happiness and goodness over others. When we measure ourselves up against people we're taught to admire, we inevitably come up short. In a society, then, that champions certain expressions of gender, love, and sex over others, even within queer frameworks, it's not surprising that imposter syndrome is an incredibly common phenomenon in the LGBTQ plus community. As far as I can tell, it happens to just about every queer person at some point in their questioning process. Even when faced with irrefutable evidence that one isn't cisgender or heterosexual, it's so easy to try and explain it away and say, nah, I'm just going through a phase, or I'm not queer enough to qualify as queer, or my story is so different from this other person's. How can I possibly claim to be on a similar level? I especially see it happen in the bisexual, trans, and non-binary communities. And as Travis mentioned earlier, this internalization of self-doubt can have drastic negative effects on both an individual and a community. Later in our interview, I asked Travis what concerns questioning students brought up with them most often, and their answer confirmed my suspicions. Well,
1: nobody feels like they're doing this right, quote-unquote, because I think uh, we live in a world that really presents a lot of these binaries. They want to present a binary around what the straight experience is and what the queer, or gay experiences or LGBT experiences. So when you live in a world that shows that model that this is what it looks like to be queer, you leave so many people out, and it's that's so that's why it's so dangerous and why representation is so it's not just important, it's life saving. Um, another feeling is not really knowing when and if I can share this with other people, but what if that changes? What if I share this with folks and then my my, my questioning changes and then I'm afraid that then people know this about me or that I questioned? Um, and, and, and feeling like that there's not space for that. Um, it's seen as inauthentic to have a, a process of questioning because I think we don't allow for a process of healthy questioning or interrogating of, Um, gender and sexuality norms within like, you know, puberty and human development right now within American society.
0: Part three. The process dot, 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 question mark. We rejoined Travis in their first year at college.
1: So I started volunteering at the LGBT center. So I just have a really fantastic LGBT center at NYU that does really innovative programming. And so for me, I got to see kind of the transformative power of of these spaces Um, and of spaces that really allowed folks to question out loud and to just question in in community, as I would call it, pretty, pretty amazing. And it was the first place for me where I was ever out um, kind of from the beginning of that experience as questioning when I was interviewing for graduate school, I was telling people I was either um, fluid or I was using terms like bisexual. Mm -hmm. I wasn't comfortable enough using terms like genderqueer um, or, or, or really relating my experience with queerness to my gender at that moment in time, I don't think I had a level of consciousness or politic. To be quite honest, um, I certainly did by the time I ended at NYU um, have a consciousness and politic. But even then, I don't think I was mapping that onto myself.
0: Where would you say you are now in regards? How do you, how do you identify?
1: Yeah, queer. I identify as queer in every sense of the word. Um, you know, with relation to my gender, with relation to my sexuality. Um, but I think for me, what the word, and again, I wanna pay tribute to some of the earliest, again, always, always honoring positionality. Um, some of the earliest folks that I know that were kind of using the earliest places that we start to see the word queer used as a sort of self-identifier. One of the earliest places I know that we see that is like during the Harlem Renaissance with, um, right? Like uh, black uh, queer folks. So I, I wanna honor that. And so, but for me, what queer means um, I think is, is tied to an interrogating and a dissenting, a responsibility to dissent and, and kind of mess with things. Um, and, and through that mess, the, through that beautiful mess, right, um, and hopefully reach some, some moments of authenticity, um, which can be you know, transformative and allow other, pe- other people to, to sort of show up in their, as their authentic selves. Um, I don't know, that's really wordy and whatever, but I just, que- queer for me is so many things. It's such a deep question.
0: Remember when I gave you three hypothetical questioning scenarios? Well, the first one I mentioned, of the cis guy realizing he's open to dating men, is basically what happened to me. When I was a sophomore in high school, I had a conversation about homosexuality with a few of my cishet male friends. For the record, I knew I was attracted to girls by that point. A few angsty and hormonal moments throughout middle school had confirmed that... But as my friends each stressed just how heterosexual they were, I realized that I didn't share their conviction. I'd always nursed the suspicion that there was more to romance and sex and gender expression than masculine man plus feminine woman equals love. And that was the key feeling that made me start to question the something more, the ideas that were still too mysterious and terrifying and exciting and subversive for me to put my finger on. In time, those suspicions solidified into, oh, dang, I, I think I could be attracted to men, too. I say solidified, but really it was the beginning of a period of intense self-doubt and puzzlement that I still haven't really left. The fact that all of my biggest crushes have been on women, and that by and large I'm more attracted to women than men, alienated me from most of the questioning stories I've heard. In turn, I threw out any excuse for my feelings that I could come up with. At the time, my friend group at school was 100% queer, and I wondered whether I was forcing feelings on myself to fit in with them better. There were a few months where I wondered if my more hit-and-miss attraction to men made me technically straight, but that didn't make any sense at all. I still feel like I'm not queer enough. The last thing I want to do is take the incredibly vulnerable and difficult step of coming out and saying, this is who I am, and then realize, oops, I was wrong, I'm actually straight. At the moment, I identify most comfortably as questioning, I think. Sometimes if I'm feeling more confident, I can make a case in my head for bisexual or queer, but those moments are sparser. I do want to point out, though, before I get too deep in my own head and my own self pity, that so much about my experience thus far has provided me with more clarity than I'd find otherwise. All my friends are amazingly supportive and understanding, regardless of how I choose to identify. My parents have my back, even if they're a bit puzzled by this whole questioning thing. The comparative ease of my experience, compared to a lot of experiences that I hear about, is indebted to my privilege as a white cis man. As well as to the accomplishments, historical and modern, of POC queer folks in creating a community that's open to everyone. As Travis said, you always gotta honor positionality. But no matter how you cut it, it ain't easy. So let's say you're like me, and you need help. You're not sure how or whether you fit into the LGBTQ plus community, you're asking yourself whether you have to change what you wear, or change the people you hang out with, or act unnaturally to be queer. When I asked Travis about this, they had a ton of advice to offer.
1: Shante Thomas, who was the uh, most recent director of the African-American Resource and Cultural Center um, at UC Santa Cruz. And a dear friend of mine, is, is I think I, I want to quote her on this show, uh, supporting students is telling them, find your folks. So I think this goes beyond just with regards to questioning, um, but also all, within all types of different community building. But yeah, find your folks. Uh, try to find uh, spaces where you can be in or build community around the questions that are coming up for you. Um, And then, yeah, the last, yeah, find a healing or reflection practice. So that could look like talk therapy, right? Like therapy, counseling, that could look like joining, uh, looking and trying to find like a local group Um, that could look like something online that could look like finding more like um, Instagram or folks to follow on Twitter um, that are talking about questioning the things that you're questioning or like, all different types of ways, but find healing and reflection spaces or practices, as I call them, like find healing or reflection practices, super important and try to build routine out of that. So you're carving out space to do the, to carving out space to do the very important work of, of, of teaching yourself that it's okay to question.
0: If a questioning student is listening to this right now and they need support, whether it's for mental health reasons or for just general support, uh, where can they go? right now, like what what can they type into their browser?
1: Yeah, lots of different things. So it definitely would encourage them, if they're a UC Santa Cruz student, I would encourage them to check out the Cantu Queer Center website. There's lots lots and lots of deep information on the website. So it's queer.ucsc.edu. Questioning things with regards to gender. um, We have an amazing like trans tab that folks can check out, which has a deep, deep, deep list of resources. Um, I would also um, encourage them to at their comfort if 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 talk therapy and if counseling feels like a culturally relevant practice and a Practices is going to be, that's going to work for them and that they're wanting to explore, I would encourage them to reach out to CAPS. Um, if they don't feel comfortable reaching out to CAPS on their own, I would highly encourage them to, if it would feel better for them to touch base with either myself um, at the Cantu as the director. Um, I'm one of uh, three full-time staff there. So there's also Kai Valentin Barunda, who uses he, him, his pronouns. Kai is the trans education specialist, does a phenomenal job. Um, supporting trans non-binary gender questioning students. And so if Kai feels like a human, that would be helpful. Um, He would um, to connect them to CAPS and do like a, like what I kind of call like a sort of a soft move along or a soft handoff to to folks at CAPS, right? Kai can do that, connect via email or when we're in person, in person. Um, He's great with that. Um, Gabby Preciado, um, she, her pronouns is the program coordinator that can too, can also be a human to touch base with and connect you to other folks on campus.
0: I want to add on to that. The other day, I went to a digital event at the Cantu Queer Center called QT Movie Night. We were a small group, but all the same, it was a wonderful and affirming experience. All of the student interns who were there were incredibly kind and supportive and willing to help. The Cantu Center does events like these all the time, even remotely, and the best way to hear about them is by subscribing to the Q Connect newsletter, which is sent out weekly and details everything that's coming up. I know it's probably quite terrifying to consider attending queer events as a questioning person but trust me when i say that it could really change your life for the better it's hard to conclude an episode about the non-existence of conclusions and while we're talking about it i guess it's also hard to conclude an episode that centers around a topic on which i've received little to no closure So in the interest of not mucking things up in the final stretch, I will let Travis take a swing at it. And to sum things up, I I wonder if you've said it already, but um, if you'd like to say it again and double down, uh, if you had the opportunity to say one thing to every single questioning kid or person on earth, doesn't have to be a kid, uh, what would you say? It's a tricky one. Yeah, I, remember,
1: I remember when I was preparing for this interview, we got, I, I was I was preparing this question. I was like, oh, I have so many things I want to say um, to try to narrow it down. So it's a really beautiful and important and great question. I'm so honored and humbled and grateful to be being asked this.
0: <laughs> Thank, you. Um, Thank you.
1: Which is one way for me to process it and not be like, oh, the pressure. So I'm like, oh, I feel <laughs> grateful to have to to, have to think through this because I think it's important. Um, one thing to every questioning kid on earth, what would I say? Uh, Nick Daly, who is a really phenomenal human um, in uh, student affairs and higher ed and student affairs, um, Black um, scholar practitioner, um, they them pronouns, they, they're always sharing with their students, protect your magic, right? And I think for folks who are questioning, just, you know, uh, thinking about that, like your magic... Um, and, and both thinking like your magic, like you are magic, like Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Mm-hmm. And also like your magic, it's yours, like protect your magic, right? And understand that this is your process, questioning is for you. Um, and magic is a very appropriate term to use because if you know your queer history then the queer world, actually the original uh, rainbow flag, one of the colors represented magic. And so this idea around magic is very very true to to our history so your magic you know protect your magic and 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 find your folks you know um and know you're not doing it wrong <laughs> yeah
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Slugcast. It means the world to me. I'd like to give a huge and special thanks to Travis S. Becker, both for their nonstop support throughout the creation of this episode and for honoring me with the telling of their story. This podcast was made for the Division of Student Affairs and Success at UC Santa Cruz, which you can follow on Instagram at ucsc.dsas. The music in this podcast opened with the track Pioneers from the website audionautics.com, and the rest were found on Wikimedia Commons. All right. Thanks again. Kyle out.